0: Hello, and welcome to What The Denmark, the podcast that takes an outside-in look at Danish culture. I'm Sam.
1: And I'm Josefine. We're
0: doing this episode today on andelsbolig, which is sort of like cooperative housing in Denmark, and we're here today with two great guests.
1: Yeah, we'll be diving into what exactly andelsbolig is. It's a way of basically sharing the cost of living in a space, but we'll also be looking at the co-op history in Denmark, which is absolutely fascinating and goes back many hundred years.
0: Yes. So in the studio today, we have Stephanie.
1: Hello, my name is Stephanie Brink, and I'm a curator
2: and ethnologist at the Museum of Copenhagen. What is an
0: ethnologist?
2: It's sort of like a social anthropologist mixed with an historian. All oh, right. Okay. It's a very Scandinavian thing. I'm interested in material culture and more of the everyday sort of history. I don't care about kings or governments. or. The, I like to study how we lived. Of course, historians do that as well, but that is my main focus—sort of to study our cultural history.
3: Very cool. And we also have Mikkel. Hello, my name is Mikkel Høj. Uh, it's hard to say in English, um, and I'm a housing economist at Danish bank called uh, Jyske Bank.
0: Very cool. So, to get started, we should probably get some definitions out there. So, in Danish, this concept "andelsbolig." What's the the
3: best English definition? You can say.
2: I think housing association or housing corporation.
3: Yeah. We sometimes have to describe it when we have to get our bonds uh, rated. Mm-hmm. And uh, for these uh, rating bureaus, uh, Moody's and SAP, and so we call it corporate uh, houses, actually. So, um, corporate house. Yeah, so I, I think it's a known uh, word uh, out there, uh, but I don't know. Okay. Sometimes in Danish, I also think it's quite hard to explain yeah. what Anders is uh, sometimes. So I often say that you have to think of uh, Anders as a corporation of funding a house. Okay.
2: Also because it's something it's shared but it's not the same as shared housing. Mm. Yes, you don't live in the same house but you share the cost of a housing estate. Is that correct? That's yes. correct. Also because it's it originates from an idea that doesn't have anything to do with housing. It originates from a way to organize yourself economically if you were socially disadvantaged. So it could be farmers or other people in the rural areas that would go together to share the expenses on distribution Producing or buying different machinery or products and then share also the dividend. So that you would share the cost but also divide income. So, so this
0: this actually happened? Right. What period was this?
2: This is the uh, 19th century, so the 1800s, around the middle, where there was a lot of things happening in Denmark. Uh, we had our first um, our Grunlau. Constitution? Constitution, right. Thank you. That arose of different ways of looking at our society in a new way. And uh, there was a, also a rising feeling that things that weren't fair anymore in our society. So different uh, farmers would go together and form these co-ops or corporations in uh, terms of uh, sharing like a dairy or a slaughterhouse. And then they could share like the cost and the expenses, but also share what So, they
0: were So uh, were there slaughterhouses and d- dairy production facilities before this.
2: Yes, but they would be owned by sort of the landlord or the guy that was at the mansion. Um, so it would be owned by the rich and not by the, the smaller
0: farmers. And so the smaller farmers would pay rent right. effectively to use the sort of house the production so facilities. Just, and so the Danish constitution came in, there's this general feeling of we need a fairer system. Was there anything done by the government to say, okay, we will now allow you to come together and buy this production facility or did people just say "No"? in this moment there was a sense of we can actually do this now we
2: i'd rather say i think it was more the other way around there was nothing that could stop them there wasn't a law saying that they couldn't so it was more of an idea and there was a lot of us we also have what we call the high school at this point which is a school is i think it's a very danish concept it's a school uh where you go but Without grades or without exams, and you go there for a shorter period of time, it'd be anything from a week to four months to a year. And that was also a way of sort of
1: educating farmers or peasants and giving them a democratic voice. And it's throughout life, isn't it? We still have this tradition for high schooler, and there's not an age limit on it. You can be educated through life. And you meet new people. I mean, in these places, it brings together people from all walks of life. All walks. And it's, it stems from
2: this uh, thought of educating the uneducated. So I think there was a lot of ways in our society. We're looking at um, ways of sort of uprising the little guy. So on the other way around, I think there wasn't anything that was to to stop this movement uh, more than the government actually made way for the
0: movement. Mm. Okay, and so this sort of mindset or this, this movement of people without resources can come together, they can um, cooperatively own this resource and then get the benefits from it, when did that start to transition into housing?
2: Well, this is quite a Copenhagen uh, thing. It it spread out to the rest of Denmark, but it began in Copenhagen because in the middle of the um, 1800s, there was what we call uh, a demarcation line that sort of uh, was a border around the center of Copenhagen. That was demolished because it was a defense line that was way outdated. Uh, But you weren't allowed to build in this area called the demarcation area. Only uh, property that could quickly be removed in case there was uh, an invasion or an attack of the city but that was given free so you could build on this area which was quite a big area and a lot of property started to rise up it was a uh, Bit of a circus where highest bidder would just construct housing that was small, it was close to each other, and it was a miserable housing condition. At the same time, you would have a lot of uh, people coming from the rural areas to the city hoping to get a job, and as a result, in the beginning of the 1900s, you would have almost 10,000 apartments that were no inhabitants, and uh, you would have over a thousand apartments where one room would have four or more living. Mm. So people were living close together, and a lot of apartments were also empty. As a consequence, building stopped, and there was a bit of a construction crisis in Copenhagen, and a guy who was called Jens Christian Jensen, nicknamed Christian Housing Need or Housing uh, Shortage, he was the chairman of the Building Carpenters Guild, and he had a lot of unemployed members as a result of the construction crisis, and he thought... Hmm, maybe I could actually use some of my members to build their own houses. They share the cost, but they can also own some of them. And that's why he then uh, founded Arbeit an his endings, which in would translate to the Workers' um, Corporate Housing Association, I guess, in the beginning of the 20th century. And it worked. At this point, some of these empty apartments were closely being filled, and there was a shortage of housing. And he managed to actually build a lot of apartments that the workers could own through this cooperative. And
1: that's how it began. Incredible. I yeah. actually need to think back that this one person has had such an important impact. Right. And he on was, of course, today. inspired by
0: what
2: he'd seen See, in the, the rural areas. The, in the, in the other areas. Mm. Actually,
0: and so the, that core principle of a group of people are going to come together, and they're going to each own a share of this bigger asset. In this case, a, a building. Is that, Michael?
3: Is, is that fundamentally how Andelsbolige still work today? Yeah, more or less. I think when we see new Andelsbolige foreninger uh, screwing up, they are using um, a right the, the people have who live for for rent in in a, in a house called a. I don't know what's called in English, but Tilbuspligten. Uh, and uh, this is quite unique for, for Denmark to, to have these rules. If a renter or a landlord wants to sell his uh, property, he has to ask the renters, do you want to buy this, then uh, you can do that, and you have this uh, offer before I can uh, sell it to some uh, third part. Mm-hmm. So what we see t- today is that uh, when there come a new uh, Anders it's the people who already live in the building who, who say, okay, if you want to sell the property, we like to buy it. Yeah.
2: And that's also one of the reasons why we have a lot of Anders in the Copenhagen area, because in the 1990s, Copenhagen was a very, very poor city. Our debt was humongous and our income was low because of the demographic situation that the city was in. The city was mostly populated by students, people on welfare, and people on retirement. As soon as you were out of university, had a job, have your children, you would move out to the more attractive, at this point, suburbs, and something had to be done. And one of the deals that the municipality of Copenhagen had to do and make with the state was to sell out a lot of their housing that they had.
0: So so the government owned these buildings?
2: No, the Municipality of Copenhagen owned oh.
0: Okay, and so the, the local government? Yes, the local Uni- government, yeah, yes. Yeah.
2: But they owed the Danish government a huge amount of money. So they sold a lot of these apartments to the tenants and that transformed them into Indusbolia. So this is only like 30 years ago. Okay.
0: And one of the, the aspects of it is the price of the apartments that are within these associations. So. As far as I can tell, we'll maybe get onto the nitty gritty later, but, but fundamentally the, the price is sort of set or you, the prices can't rise too much.
3: Yes or no? Okay. Uh, the price of the property is actually uh, free. When you look at the property, you, you have to, to look at it as uh, how it can be used alternatively. And uh, how can it be used alternatively? There will be one landlord and uh, he will rent out uh, all the departments. So therefore, uh, you have to look at the value of the building as it could be sold at the free market. So there you, you have um, free uh, pricing for these uh, properties actually, okay. but there's some It's a little complicated because this uh, system is is quite uh, democratic uh, and uh, uh, the people who who lived in in the the feigning, the corporation, they can choose how they want to evaluate the property and uh, they can be using a conservative uh, valuation which is made by the government actually for for taxing reasons but uh, they can use uh, this uh, kind of Mm valuation and they can also go to a broker and uh, say to the broker... uh, what is uh, the the value of uh, this property, and they can uh, use uh, that value. And there's a quite big uh, difference uh, between uh, these two.
2: But it has to be sort of the board of the corporation that decides it's not the individual shareholder that can decide
3: ah, no uh, actually it is um, the board of the corporation has to come to the yearly meeting and say we think that uh, the, the value should uh, be uh, like this and we think that we should use uh, this uh, broker to evaluate uh, the, the property and and then the the people who live there uh, can vote about it so the people who, who live there can say no we want another broker or they can say okay it's, it sounds uh, good and this is uh, one of the reasons why uh, Anders uh, right now have uh, hard times, I think. Mm. Because we have lived for quite a few years with very, very huge uh, increases in uh, property values in the big cities. and. Um People who, who lived in in Andesburg said, "Okay, we want to make uh, some of these uh, money. We want to see our property rise and make uh, money." Um, so uh, we are now uh, at a, a place where the property prices on uh, Antispolia is uh, very high too. Mm-hmm. So therefore, it's not for for all anymore. Yeah.
1: So it's it's pushed up. I mean, the market has pushed up the price, and where before it was actually a very affordable kind of housing that meant that everyone could come and live in the city if they had access to that kind of property. Then now actually it's, in many areas, more expensive than it would normally have been. Yes, but and in, interesting enough, because when it
2: was founded, this idea of Endus Bolia, the idea was it was a very democratic, like you said, one voice, one vote. And it was meant that everyone should be able to own be some of your own house. And now it's sort of transformed to... Um, how much profit can I make from my share? It's not very... Uh, it's not as cooperative. <laughs> <It's> not as <laughs> yeah. cooperative yeah. as it was, and sort of not the idea of that everyone should be able to buy an apartment.
3: There's a lot of people who, who want to make money, and they, they can see that the other kind of way of owning properties are giving a lot of money, so, so they want to. But there are also... Every time uh, some uh, few people who are very, very uh, idealistic about uh, uh, living in an an and they say, oh no, we we have to think about uh, how our valuation is because uh, we want to to give this uh, housing uh, to to the next generation. Uh, And and it's uh, very interesting to look at uh, actually.
1: It's a very sustainable way of thinking. People actually do think about the opportunity they had and wanting to make sure that they don't ruin that for the next generation.
2: That's how it should be.
0: It's interesting, the uh, the associations, they, they are not quite businesses, but they have a profit and loss, they have income, they have costs. And so when it comes to deciding, you know, if you want to say, I would like to live in this Andalesbury, you're actually becoming... A member of this company, kind of a director of this company, almost. You
2: become a shareholder. A shareholder, yeah.
0: And so, and so, if you're entering an association where it's run by people who have, as you say, run a lot of debts, they've done maybe lots of renovations or they've done things which have lost money, then it's not just oh, I'll pay X amount per month to live here. And I, I should just just check when you pay a monthly amount that is for the upkeep of being part of the association, you also need to pay money to the bank if you have a mortgage. Is that correct? You have, uh, the, you have these two? No,
3: no, yes or no. It's quite complicated mm-hmm. because the end of the is a corporation of funding. So the corporation has a mortgage in a bank, but everybody who, who buys in in the corporation has to pay uh, some money for... Um, you share. So you have a mortgage in common, mm-hmm. and then if you want to borrow money for your share, you, you have uh, not a mortgage, but you have a bank loan. Today the board of the Freining mm-hmm. has to come to the yearly meeting with a plan, and uh, they have to show uh, the people who live there, we have uh, thought of uh, the, these uh, kind of developments uh, in the next uh, five uh, years. So they, they have to, to have an economic plan of how is... Uh, and- Things going the next uh, yes.
2: and this is because we saw what ten, fifteen years ago that it, it, some corporates would simply go bankrupt because you couldn't afford to pay the mm-hmm. uh, in yeah. initial. I'll mortgage. give you
0: an ex- example. So, um, so I live in a Borley, mm-hmm. and um, we had our general meeting uh, a few months ago, and it was there was a discussion as to whether we should uh, renovate the windows mm-hmm. because this is part of the common building, and it, it was decided. Do we keep our old windows as they are or do we uh, pay extra to get these new windows which are going to last longer etc and as a result of going for the new windows I assume what yeah, would what have happened is the association would have had to then go and get a loan and as a result everyone's monthly common rent has increased a bit and so that's like a, a practical example I think of, of how it and it's yeah so we've we've all sort of Benefited from having these you know, communal windows, basically, or windows in everyone's uh, across the property, and yeah.
1: everyone could agree because basically well, that can <laughs> be the issue. Obviously, yes. I mean, you bring a lot of uh, different people together
0: in these. It was it was corporates. a fire. It was a fiery debate <laughs> as to yeah, whether it's happening. It's always a fiery debate. Yeah.
1: But I think isn't isn't. Common for all that they basically have this board of democratically elected residents. And so basically, they are the decision power. But then you have a yearly meeting where everyone comes and where something is presented, for example, if you want new windows, and then everyone gets to have their vote. How often is the board elected? How often do you sit normally? You're, you're elected
3: normally for for two years so you have this change in the board uh, when you have someone uh, some who get elected every uh, year um, uh, so you have a, a change in the board uh, every year you can say
1: so it's so, sort of separate years that uh, it happens so that they'll always be but the you can run for yeah. years
2: yeah. Yeah. there's no so,
3: limit you can sit so, for ten years yeah. And there's no rules you you don't have to to have a special education or or something to to sit in this uh, these boards so you could be uh, what you could call a, a normal guy and uh, be the head of this uh, corporation and then you you actually is uh, the chairman of huge uh, property
1: but you have been the head of a board you mentioned michael yourself how long did you do that and what was your experiences being that person
3: when i was studying um, i uh, had the, the possibility to buy in a corporation for students and uh, it was uh, in the start of this of uh, thousands then it, it was uh, quite nice i think we, it was i was almost 20 or 18 and 19 years old. And uh, I was uh, elected to chairman for this uh, property. And uh, at that time, it was a property for 56 million, um, uh, I remember. So it was a huge um, responsibility for a young guy um, to to say, okay. So uh, at
0: 19, you're in charge of several million dollars worth of property. Yes. Yeah.
3: Then I was uh, starting economy, so I had a huge uh, idea of uh, how to, to do this <laughs> and do that. Yeah. So uh, what was happening was that uh, I was taking my bike to the banks and uh, have a meeting with them and uh, change the markets and um, it was a good time, uh, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> but uh, what also happened is that uh, I was the only chairman in, in uh, this um, uh, corporation's history who actually could set the monthly uh, rent down. So uh, people uh, loved me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
0: Well, can we maybe talk a little bit about the, the price of the apartments? Because uh, so we've got some friends who live in, there's like two apartment blocks. And one of them is Andales, and one of them is free market. And it's basically twice the price in the private market. Is that sort of historically what the difference has been between the cost of the apartments?
3: You can say, I think it sounds, uh, actually I've, I found it sounds that the, the, the difference between, uh, you say, uh, it was double or more or less, yeah. I think it's, it sounds as a small gap. Sometimes you can see um, the difference would be both the three or four times. We
0: started What the Denmark? Because there were various things about life in Denmark that we didn't understand. The doves, the humour, jumping into the ocean in the middle of winter, One thing that I wasn't expecting is that Denmark needs international people to move here and work. Being a small country, there's only so much tech and other talent that's available, and lots of aspiring Danish companies are actively trying to hire internationals. These companies typically work in English, often are doing something interesting, and working for them means you get to live in one of the happiest countries in the world. If listening to What the Denmark has piqued your interest in the country, And go and check out the State of Denmark's website. There you can sign up to job alerts from Danish companies looking for internationals and read more about what your everyday life in Denmark could be like. Head to www.state-of-denmark.com forward slash WTD. That is quite a mouthful. The link is also in the show notes. Now, back to the show. I think this maybe leads us on a bit more to this idea of of shared living. The fact that once a year or every few months there will be a meeting of all the residents and we have like a shared courtyard garden that we all look after. And maybe we'd do that anyway if we all lived there sort of privately owned. But there is this sort of sense of togetherness almost that comes with it. Now, in, in researching the episode, we sort of looked at what are other ways that people sort of live together. So, I mean, I should say it is basically a private apartment. Like we go and we have all the things ourselves, but we have the shared garden and we vote on whether we should get new windows. So it, generally speaking, it's as any other apartment. But I mean, have, have these, has this sort of shared ownership um, model, Stephanie, have you perhaps seen it go in ways where it's, there's more communal living, should we say?
2: I think so. I mean, uh- I think the end of Spolia came at a time where it was really difficult for uh, primarily workers to get their own apartment. Um, so this was a way of sort of meeting that problem. I think one of the big challenges today is sort of more the domestic uh, ways of life. I mean, um, getting home from work, like picking up your kids, making dinner. So that's one of the things we share. I Where I live, there is sort of shared housing where everyone has their Own place, but they have a shared, uh, like a common house where they have um, dinner every night. So they Mm. make, uh, they um, take turn in sort of cooking for the rest of the corporation. Mm. It's always all of it. It's privately owned, but they share a house and share dinner. Because that is the main challenge to get home in time and cook a reasonable meal but for your children. But we also
3: see something uh, like this uh, for for housing built for for elderly uh, people, mm-hmm. uh, where they want to have some some common life, you could say. Yeah. So maybe they want to have a, a place to where uh, can go and train, or they have a winter garden or something. Mm-hmm. And we see a lot of uh, new uh, buildings in Copenhagen uh, or other big cities where using uh, this. It's it's not necessary and sport, it's, it could be a private owned, but they, they have these um, uh, shared benefits, uh, shared spaces. Benefits, uh, yeah. shared, uh, spaces um, there's
0: actually, there's um, a really great podcast series that I listen to, sort of f- based around Denmark, which is the tagline is like the brave new world of shared living. And, and it sort of talks about these different ways that people are organizing themselves in a way to basically sort of combat loneliness. Like if you think about human beings as a social species like everyone going off individually going back to their little box sitting in front of the tv eating their own dinner and then how can we sort of engineer housing or or living spaces so that there can be these um, sort of common areas growing up I was always like either you own a house that you live in with your family and you might do some socializing on the street or you're hippies and you live in a commune and everyone sings (laughs) you know you know sing songs together around the campfire and it's interesting sort of finding these different places where as you say in your case like we don't have to share the living room but we will say that for this part we will eat together and so we have this, this place where you can I assume you can opt in or opt out of the thing yeah
1: It's like getting the best of both worlds, Mm. isn't it? So it is like finding new ways to sort of interact with each other and actually a way out of loneliness. I think that's really interesting, Sam, because that is a huge issue, particularly amongst older people in Denmark, because obviously the way we used to live, we used to live in big families all together. The old would help look after the young. They would all live under one roof. We don't do that anymore. We've not done that for a long time. And it basically means that if you want to have company when you're older, a new setup could work like the one you mentioned, Mikkel, where you actually have a common area where you have uh, traditions, you do activities together, but where you can also go to your own space and be your own and maybe have your grandchildren come visit you or something. I also think it's a huge development in
2: our way of living as different kinds of families i mean a lot of people live single and or have a potential partner but live on their own and that it requires a whole another way of housing than big families or families in general and also another way of coping on um, loneliness as you say and sharing living can be a lot of things it can be a workout room or a
1: hobby room or I work in TV and often I've had uh, international TV teams come to Denmark and they are interested in various things. But we had a team from Australian Broadcast Corporation come um, and they were actually doing a show on uh, affordable housing. Mm. And they thought Denmark was such a fascinating case because actually you could have normal people, ordinary people with ordinary incomes living in the capital, inside the city. And that's you don't see in many other cities around the world. They'd been visiting London, they'd been visiting Tokyo, they'd obviously been spending time in Sydney looking at the situation there, New York. And what we had in Denmark was so special here in Copenhagen because actually normal people could afford to be here. It didn't matter whether you're a banker or a school teacher, there was an opportunity to be here.
3: Well, it is also because when we build uh, houses in the cities, we have different kinds of houses. Now we have talked about Andesboli, it's one kind. We have private houses, but we also have uh, these uh, subsidized uh, houses, which is quite unique. And uh, nowadays, if you want to buy or build um, private uh, houses, you also have to build uh, some uh, subsidized uh, houses. I think we have that as... um
0: I think I, th- I think that's, I think that's in the UK as well. That this idea that you have, yeah. If as you say, if you're going to do an apartment block, that needs to not just be for, yeah, affordable housing. They have different different rates. Yeah, but today, if you want yeah. to,
3: to develop, uh, you have uh, some land. You want to, to, to develop uh, houses. You you have to to, to let the 25 percent of uh, this um, area be uh, subsidized uh, houses. Yeah. Would you
0: say that the cities in Denmark are still affordable for normal people? And, and and how would you measure that?
3: It's important to because uh, the the, the debate uh, right now is that. We need more affordable houses in, in the cities. But if you look internationally on uh, Copenhagen, Copenhagen is actually very uh, cheap uh, place to, to live. I think it's also,
2: depending on what you compare, I mean, historically, yes, it's more expensive, a lot more expensive than it was earlier. But my brother lives in Tokyo. I'm pretty sure if I told him it was expensive, he yeah. would say, not yeah. really. <laughs> like a <laughs> Wake <when laughs> <saying>, up, sister. <laughs> yeah, but I tell him an apartment so small, he would say, really? Uh, and if I say that we're building a skyscraper, he would say... That that tiny house in the corner. So it depends on what you compare it to, but the corporate thought is not Danish. It's actually from Britain. and inspired from a, a British thought of how to sort of go together and share costs and expenses. So it depends on what what you mean about the whole corporate thought. If it's just the housing, that's very Danish, but the corporate idea is is not.
0: How sustainable do you think it is for the Andelsbolig system to to remain in Denmark? Do you think it's if we're doing this in 30 years, we'll still have
3: them? I think we still will have them uh, in 30 years, but but I think uh, they are not as uh, sustainable uh, as it was before. And uh, one of the uh, things that we have talked about, valuation, is that the valuation is, is, is coming uh, quite uh, high up uh, and um, people have acted uh, like uh, professional uh, mm-hmm. speculators uh, landlords uh, and i think that's uh, one of the the problems so the difference between endospoli and private uh, housing is uh, going to to be uh, less and less uh, over the years uh, and, and that's i think uh, it's it's a problem
2: but I mean, Anders Bolle has only existed for a very, very short time in historical sense. And I think, I think it will keep on existing. I agree with Miguel that it will probably be harder to see the difference um, in, in sort of ways of getting into that market. But I think that the new problems will arise and people will find new solutions that we just don't know,
0: know of yet. I think that the that the bit which we've discussed sort of puts pressure on it is this idea of you have this group of people who live there and it's it's basically up to them to say what is the price going to be going forward and there is the thing Josephine you mentioned you sort of touched on it where you say are we going to keep the price low so that other people can afford to yeah you know, to live you know to own a property in this place or are we going to say actually we're going to increase the price so that we ourselves get money when we sell it and then leave it, you know, leave the problem to the rest of the people. I think it's sort of a fascinating psychological.
2: It's quite a big responsibility. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, and, and like we've got, you know, there's a couple of, so the Andel's Bowley that we moved into five years before they changed their valuation. So the one we bought was like twice the price of what it would have been five years ago, which was a bit annoying. But I know that we've got one friend who lives in a Andel's Bowley and she was, they really fought to keep it at the low one. And they were sort of, I say in dinner, but they, they, you know, she was really like. Well, I think she was on the board, but she was saying, you know, this is like not what Bully are for. She's like, I'm willing to, I I'm willing to forego an extra eighty thousand euros or hundred thousand dollars that I would get by increasing the price because I believe in this system. I think mean, that's such a fascinating mindset to have
1: it's about solidarity and about looking out for future generations and i think it's very much the same as you know when we're looking at the climate and looking after the planet Mm. i mean we are basically having to turn down our own consumption or you know maybe benefits in terms of uh, enriching ourselves in order to um, fight for the systems that have helped us and for Mm. the community that we believe in and and appreciating the benefits
2: that we're giving to you and sort of passing them on Yeah, it's like pay it forward isn't
0: it and so do you think in the fact that both of you have said that you think the system will continue you, you believe that there will be enough people that say we will keep valuing the apartments at a fair price so that people can continue to live here versus making more profit ourselves This is what we're saying about like affordable housing is like who are the people who are able to afford it? Obviously, maybe now it is just the bankers who can afford the. The more expensive one.
3: Yeah, but I think you will see in the future. You already see that now that it's people who who live in uh, in uh, It's is is not uh, people from uh, the trade unions uh, or so. It's it's uh, bankers, it's doctors, uh, lawyers. Uh, so so. Uh, so so wh-
0: where where do the people from the trade union live?
3: Yeah, they they have. To come in in uh, subsidized uh, houses, or maybe they have to to live a little outside uh, the city and uh, take the train to to the jobs, uh, and and that's one of the the big uh, discussions uh, uh, political right now in, in Denmark because people want uh, to have a a city where you have uh, all kinds of uh, of people living, mm-hmm. and uh, they think that's uh, a a value. Um, so therefore, they talked about uh, what can we do else. At the moment, um, it's quite uh, hard to, to, to start new endless Uh Actually, we, we don't see uh, uh, new ones uh, coming up uh, at these uh, moments, but uh, people have... Uh, um, there have come in a new political uh, agreement, which uh, tried to make it a little easier to see, uh, can we get uh, some more? So people are talking a lot about uh, different kinds of uh, solutions uh, to try to get uh, affordable uh, living. Yeah.
1: And so I think what's really interesting here is that there is a desire to make sure that we have this, even if it means building more. In Denmark, we do generally believe that this is a good system. That we have this affordable housing and we do want all sorts of people to have access uh, to housing in, for example, Copenhagen and the other big cities.
2: And also, I think, uh, like you said before, that the whole concept of sharing is something that newer generations are more keen on than we've seen for the past few years and sharing is a lot of uh, diff- can be very different things I mean one thing is sharing your profit or but also like sharing dinner or uh, sharing common areas I think the whole concept of sharing is going to be much bigger in the future mm-hmm. and going to change in many aspects of our lives
1: yeah, I even know people who have chickens in the Endelsbohli. So they basically, they share the chickens and the eggs. So or there they you use, go, I mean.
2: Or use the roof as a garden and uh, to farm on.
1: Thanks to Mikkel and Stephanie for joining us today. It's been such a treat.
0: It has. I think if you look at how inequality has grown around the world in the past few years, Learning about systems and approaches like this that support the economically disadvantaged is fascinating, rather than just saying that inequality is an unfortunate side effect of a free market economy.
1: Yeah, I do wonder how long it will stay like this. Anyways, thanks again to Mikkel and Stephanie for joining us, and thanks to Andreas Gröning for producing the show, and to Tevin Sudi for editing.
0: You can learn more about What the Denmark via our website, whatthedenmark.com, and by following us on Facebook and Instagram by searching for What the Denmark. I spoke to the technical person and he said there is a chance that at some point it might stop recording. Oh. So I'll just keep an eye on that. But if you notice it's turned, it's, it's gone from red to green. Green Then big up. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. We
1: will.